Hello, my friends. Today, a very special podcast with Gavin McInnes, perhaps the wildest wild man to pass through the doors of Rebel News. And I'll catch up on what's he doing these days? What's he got to say about the Proud Boys, about censorship, about Elon Musk, about the lockdowns? We'll get Gavin's unique take. That's ahead. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of these podcasts. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, half the price of Netflix. Do it not just for my show and the other four shows you get with it, but because we don't rely on Trudeau for government handouts. We're one of only a handful of Canadian media that don't take money from Justin Trudeau. So really, we rely on you subscribing. Please go to rebelnewsplus.com. Thanks so much. Here's today's podcast. Tonight, a feature interview with one of the Rebels' most dangerous alumni, Gavin McInnes. It's April 15th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Rebel News is just over seven years old, but we've taken many forms over the course of time. In 2016, when we were pretty much a baby, we were really the only Canadian media organization other than Conrad Black to embrace Trump and Trumpism. And boy, we got that one right. It was the golden age of the Internet where social media wasn't yet a place of woke cancel culture. Of course, then Silicon Valley realized the role it had played in the election of Trump and cracked down the great demonetization and the beginning of fake fact checks, by which I mean, of course, legacy media companies denormalizing and demonizing conservative points of view, calling that a fact check. One of our most successful on-air talents during this period was Gavin McInnes. He is someone I met when I worked at Sun News Network. He was absolutely hilarious, a very rare thing, a funny conservative. I'm not saying conservatives are not funny. I'm just saying most conservatives don't go into the comedy side or anything artistic whatsoever. Comedy and Hollywood in general are very much left wing. Gavin McInnes was a master of the pop culture. He helped found Vice, now a multimedia empire. He was very well known for his fashion do's and don'ts, just absolutely hilarious. And so when Rebel News started, he was a fit for our irreverent style. And he really helped us build up the company because Unlike an eat-your-spinach conservative lecture, the jokes brought you in, and there was a subtle uh, political message at the end of it, sometimes not so subtle. Gavin left Rebel News in late 2017 when he simply got an offer he couldn't uh, resist and we couldn't match. Uh, but then things took an interesting path. Uh, we'll talk about that now with Gavin McInnes, who's been apart from Rebel News for almost five years but has had an interesting career. I had visited Gavin a few years ago when I popped into New York and we had a good heart to heart. I called him up and I said, let's do another sit down and catch up with each other. And Gavin joins me now via Skype from New York. Gavin, great to see you again. Great, for, great to see you again, sir. It's nice of you to say, do you, think I, do you think I summed up that golden age of social media before the censors cracked down? I mean, there was no worry about, worry about 
you know, being given a strike for a political opinion. Back then, you just had to make sure you weren't stealing someone's copyrighted material and you were fine. Well, I mean, political correctness started in the 90s. Uh, I held it ba back from 2000 to 2005. I kept the wolves at bay. They overpowered us. Then they ran rampant for 10 years. But Trump then put them back in their place. And we had a brief epoch, as you say, around 2015, where, remember, alt-right didn't mean anti-Semitic or racist. It meant fun. Yeah. And uh, then things got more radical. Alt-right was hijacked by the, the, the Nazis and the, the liberal party, the, the left, was hijacked by Antifa. And the whole country became far more radical. And unfortunately, the radical leftists were the ones left in charge of social media, the justice system, <laughs> the government, everything. And it was weird being under Trump in 2017 when you're like, as Jim Goad said to me, he goes, can you believe we won? It sure doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And that's when it, things got draconian. I think you're right. I think that no one actually thought Trump would win. Uh, they were outraged by it. And Trump did amazing things in office, but he didn't control the entire deep state. And I mean, we, we learned that it was the, in the end, it was the public health deep state that got rid of him. But there was the national security deep state that there was the FBI uh, deep state. There were so many entrenched things that Eisenhower called the military industrial complex spread throughout America. Uh, Trump was an anomaly and they made sure that he that would never happen again. A lot yeah. of freedoms were stomped out. Am I being too uh, dramatic? I mean, Trump was a flawed man, but he did, like you say, hold things at bay. Well, you got to understand the American government is a gang. And if you disrespect a gang like MS-13 or even the mafia, they have to punish you. So never again is an eccentric millionaire going to become president. No outsider is ever going to be president again uh, unless we get Trump. That doesn't really count. Uh, and secondly, they have been insulted. They were insulted by the existence of Trump. They were insulted by our hubris. Remember right after he's elected, there was Pepe the Frog and we would go to that he will not divide us thing and make fun of Shia LaBeouf. And I had a vigil in Times Square for my friends who had died of winning AIDS. <laughs> they got so sick of winning, they got AIDS. And so we had Tucker Carlson and all these signs, you know, bragging about our victory. And so we had insulted the gang. The gang then retaliates so they can maintain their reputation in the community. And this is what we're seeing with January 6th. By going there and sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk, you sat in El Chapo's chair in his man cave. You have to be punished for that. That guy was just offered a plea of seven years. All he did was sit in a chair. But you've insulted the gang. And that's what we did. We we got too brave, and now we have to be punished by this corrupt, violent, bureaucratic gang of disgusting, lazy thieves. <laughs> We're talking about Trump, which I didn't really mean to do, but it was part of that free speech moment where speech and humor and, you know what, I, I first heard the word alt-right. I didn't know what it meant other than I thought it was the fun, fresh, young rebellion against the establishment GOP. When I think of the word alt-right when I first heard it, I would have thought of Milo Yiannopoulos, the British, yes. Greek, gay, uh, Jewish, uh, 
uh, shock performance art uh, political pundit who sort of Jack you know, Hamden, a little bit Southern. Liberace, a little bit Ann Coulter. And I yes. thought it's that fun. It's that it, it was the cultural uh, creativity. And just like the national security deep state and the public health deep state destroyed parts of that moment, the cultural deep state destroyed some of the things you're talking about. They turned the word alt-right into a racist thing. Maybe it had racist roots, but for a while there, it was just, you know, unconventional conservatism. They rebranded it as racist. They branded the symbols of the writing, including the little OK symbol, as racist. They yep. they really Nazified everything. I, I lost track if, if Trump was a Nazi or a communist uh, Putin um, tool that seemed to flip back and forth. <laughs> and anything fun and cultural that was of the right had to be destroyed. I see you're wearing uh, underneath your, your vest there a Proud Boys shirt. Now, I remember when you were talking about Proud Boys here at Rebel News. I remember what I said to you. I see you got to you know, turn that into a franchise and own it and control it. Don't mind me. And it was just a movement. It was men saying, I want to hang out in a non-woke place. I want to hang out with other guys, guys talk sports, drink beer, and not always be on guard for a word crime. And, you know, I traveled with you to different places, including including Israel, where there was a huge Proud Boys meetup, 200 people. So it's obviously not an anti-Semitic thing if you got hundreds of Jews meeting you in Israel for it. It's, it felt like a goofy fraternity for guys who were no longer in college. That's how I would describe Proud Boys. But it's literally being designated a terrorist group in Canada now. Yeah, and I hate when people say it started out as a joke and then Gavin lost control and it got out of hand and now it's violent and racist. No, the that's what the narrative became. That's the media's interpretation. It has nothing to do with the truth. It's still 99% fun. Enrique Tario, I believe he pulled off he, – he went to too many rallies. He over-rallified it. But those guys, I still know them. I talked to them. I just talked to Ethan Nordine the other day in prison. Uh, they're still the same fun guys. The only reason that there was more violence is because Antifa brought it on. The, the Proud Boys were a reaction to violence. And I can prove that by uh, pointing out that we never went to their things. They always came to our things. You know, Dr. Shiva has a free speech rally in Boston. A hundred thousand people show up to tell him that he's a hate monger. Uh, Mark, what's his name, who did the Antifa handbook? Um, he did a whole speaking tour across the country. Proud Boys didn't go to any of that stuff. They don't do that. But every time there's a remotely patriotic event, the radical left has to come and start fights. And Proud Boys were the first ones to say, yeah, if you want to fight, I'll fight you. Let's do it. You know, this is and that's remember the Covenant Catholic school kid. He got in trouble for standing his ground. I think it was USA Today that said, don't you think that's kind of uh, aggressive standing your ground? So we were seen as aggressive just for volunteering as bodyguards and standing up to Antifa. See, what that did, though, is it gave the left what they had been missing, which is everyone knows that the left is violent, has been violent. It's part of the communist way. It's, it's what you do when you're not a liberal Democrat. Um, it goes back centuries. It goes back to the Bolshevik Revolution. It's rules for radicals. So... Antifa and Black Lives Matter had a rampage of riots and arson across America. And it, everyone knew it was being done by the left. 
But because Proud Boys were, quote, bodyguards, as you said, or had some, you know, uh, physical, um, you know, swearing in ceremonies when you were froshed or whatever that's called, the left said, aha, we have the counterweight to show that violence is a right wing thing. Now we're going to build up Proud Boys as the mirror image of Antifa. Antifa has killed people, torched cities, billions of dollars of damage. They're organized, they're financed, they're funded, they're controlled. Black Bloc, you know, America was a fire in the year 2020. Uh-huh. We had a few uh, scruffy fraternity boys who had a bit much to drink and got into fisticuffs. We found our counterweight. We're going to pump it up with the FBI and prosecute them and show that, no, 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 the domestic violent extremism is on the right. I think that they saw the Proud Boys and said, not only do we want to take the steam out of this cultural thing, this pro-Western, pro-conservative fraternity, we want to turn it into a Nazi, a modern Nazi movement because we need one of those. There's, we don't have one to point to. We'll turn this into a Nazi movement. Yeah, I've heard this discussion from Tucker Carlson, Stephen Crowder, uh, Ben Shapiro, and and even the New York Times. Alan Froyer was a journalist who's kind of a, one of these Proud Boys stalkers. And uh, he said, you know what you should do? You should be like Martin Luther King and you should go to an Antifa rally and just stand there and let them beat you. And then you can show that you're not violent, they're violent. And I said, F you, Alan. These people murder. They they bring knives. They they will kill me. And this idea, this Martin Luther King idea, where you just sit there and take it is not what I'm about. It's maybe it's because I'm a hoser and Canadian by roots. Maybe it's hockey, but there's no way I'm sitting there and let people abuse me to make some sort of a messiah like point. Hell no. And look at like what you're saying is totally accurate. But I did a talk at the Metropolitan Club here in New York City. They uh, Antifa showed up. They were attacking everyone, old ladies. They beat a journalist, uh, stole his equipment. Zero charges, by the way. Hurling bottles of urine, glass bottles of urine at old ladies and everyone to come in. They they vandalized the venue. Uh, The police made everyone disperse. Antifa went around the block. They flanked the Proud Boys. Proud Boys were on their way home. They began hurling urine at the Proud Boys, and the Proud Boys—that was a wanna fight—and the Proud Boys said, "Yes, we do," and they beat them up. They didn't start that fight; they finished it. And the the DNC went, "Yes, we've got it. Let's uh, let's throw these guys in prison. They're still in prison now. They got one year left. That, this was four years ago. Their sentence was four years." Uh, and I, I I get people on the right saying those guys just sort of taken it. Let the bottle of piss hit you in the face. Take a beating and those guys wouldn't be in jail. No, we're not going to sit there and get abused. Max and John did nothing wrong. They fought They fought a fight for 17 seconds. And, and it's true. The DNC did use that as propaganda. In fact, the judge, Mark Dwyer, said this fight, political fighting, reminds him of 1930s Europe. So he called me Hitler in the actual sentencing. But what's the solution? To, to just keep taking it? No, I'm not. Martin Luther King, I'm Malcolm X. And if someone attacks you, fight back. Don't attack innocent people ever. But if someone else attacks you, stand up for yourself. That used to be normal, uh, a normal philosophy. You know, one of the things about you, and I've known you for a while, is you say exactly what's on your mind. You don't put a filter on it. You're an equal opportunity troublemaker. Um, 
I mean, I've seen it in public and I've seen it in private and it's wickedly funny in both. <laughs> but but you have to have a certain stomach to put up with it, uh, to, to be able to, you, you know, it's, it's nerve wracking. Um, and I, I think I get it. I mean, I've found your your comedy hilarious for, for a decade. Not everyone does because, you know, it's either too blunt or, you know, we you know what they said about Trump. They said, don't take him literally, take him seriously. And I think that's right. the key for understanding Trump. And you say things that I know you mean seriously, but I don't know if you're always meaning them literally. And sometimes you're telling a story by analogy. And I, I think the, the trouble with being as blunt as you are is it's wickedly hilarious. It's refreshingly uncensored. It's an antidote to the woke self-censorship. But a bad faith actor on the other side can cobble together what you're saying and say, see, he's for violence. See, he's racist. See, like, like the way you speak is so unguarded that when you talk about controversial things, it can be cobbled together and interpreted as, no, this guy means to be violent. I'm not well, saying that's, that's right. I... In fact, I think, it, I think it's because of your comedic style. But that's how they tagged you. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's just stupid Justin Trudeau uh, making a press statement by putting Proud Boys on the terrorist list. What do you think? Well, this is like an interview I did with NBC where she said, you know, I explained this. This was made up by 4chan as a random thing to scare liberals. They're going to say this means racism. They, they tried it with chugging milk. It was too hard to find milk. Everyone has a hand on them at all times. So they went with this and it took off. It means liberals are hysterical and I like making fun of them. Nazis use it, but Nazis hate liberals too. Nazis use toilet paper. All cats are mammals. All dogs are mammals. All cats are not dogs. This is guilt by association, right? So uh, this woman was asking me, this journalist was saying, you know, you say these things, you know, they could be taken out of context. So don't say that. No, that's a gray Stalinist universe with no color. I'm going to continue to speak totally colorful, say rude words. You could go over my thousands of hours of content and make me look like a raging homosexual if you wanted to. Is that is that reason to never dress up in drag as a joke? No, I'm not going to hide it. And I, I'm happy to take it on the chin. I've been fired from every job I've ever had, including companies I started myself. We didn't fire you. You you quit and went for a better offer. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I guess I wasn't fired. But then I got fired from that job. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to quarrel with you. I'm trying to understand it because, um, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I, I, I tell the odd joke, but I'm not as funny as you. I'm not as naturally funny or as artistic. I'm not as visually pretty creative. funny. Thanks. Um, but here's the thing. They try and denormalize us here at Rebel News, and they've been somewhat successful, but we fight back tooth and nail. We don't accept it. Like, I would just give you an example. You probably don't know about this, but in Canada, the government has set up something called the Qualified Canadian Journalism Organization, QCJO. It's like a journalism license, and we were rejected by it. Oh, yeah. And instead of embracing that and saying, we're the ultimate outsiders, we didn't want your stinking license, we're, we're suing. We're taking them to the federal court because we're resisting the denormalization, the marginalization, the unpersoning. We're resisting it. And we, we spend a lot of time fighting to, to be allowed to be, I'm not going to say in polite company, but I don't want to be pushed out. Whereas you have set up a company called censored.tv. 
and you've embraced the pariah status, you, you maybe you did so unwillingly at first, but it seems like that you said, all right, I'm going to be this guy. And you've sort of collected all the other banned people. You've collected Milo Yiannopoulos and Katie Hopkins and Laura Loomer and all the deplorables. And I find each of them interesting. And some of them, in fact, have done some work with Rebel News over the years. But I, my question for you, and this is just a personal question. This is a friend-to-friend question. Why did you embrace that? I mean, you were once at the heart, like you invented the whole idea of hipsters, which you you invented that. And I, I think your Proud Boys, that was Dr. Jordan Peterson a year before Dr. Jordan Peterson. That was Be a Man, Rules for Life. Like you, you made a movie, How to Be a Man, which could have been called 12 Rules for Life. But, but without the PhD, like you, you have these massive culture changing ideas. I, I like to say that you've had three, most people don't have a single billion dollar idea in their life. You've had three that I know. Yeah, but you helped create advice. You came up with hipsters. And I think the idea of a masculine fraternity for pro Western Jordan Peterson guys, that's a billion dollar idea, but you let them push you out of the mainstream. No, I didn't let them push me out of the mainstream. I was forced out of the mainstream. I'm still I still sue people, but to to constantly like should I have sued CRT or the Blaze for firing me? Should I have sued Twitter and Facebook? You're a lawyer. You have a much higher tolerance for litigation. I find it tedious and I and, and so alarmingly expensive. I'm not a good fundraiser uh like you. So I I didn't have a choice. I'm still fighting. Believe it or not, like it, it don't don't portray me as someone who gave up. I'm still fighting. But the the man in the iron mask I've been bequeathed means that I'm censored.tv. I mean, they took free speech.tv from me. I've had I've been through like 15 different payment uh, guys who kicked off a U.S. bank, uh, everything from, you know, MailChimp to Pinterest. Uh, I, I, I tried mainstream with the blaze. I didn't swear on that show and got fired anyway. So I'm at the point now where it's like you just got to be yourself. And if that's offensive to people, well, I'm making more money this year than I've ever made before in my life. So something's working. You know, when I was a kid, I was in the special class for for mentally handicapped kids and stupid people. But my grades were fine. I was just a class clown. So the teachers wanted me out of their classroom. They didn't want to deal with me. And my dad, you know, being Scottish and poor, he was obsessed with education. He's like, if you get another detention, I'm going to murder you. And I remember literally sitting on my hands. I don't know why that would help. Trying to shut my mouth during class and not make a little, yeah, you shower and I'll show her. <laughs> uh, and I just, I lasted like three hours. And then I was back to the special class and wasn't allowed to have different teachers that were at Diabri Moody with Peter Gunn. So, I mean, I'm saying a lot to answer your question, but one is uh, this is how I fight. And two is I I can't be mainstream. Like people always say, you know, if, if you had been more cordial at Vice, you'd still be there. You'd be worth 100 million. If I could have bought another week at Vice, I would have been ousted or or pushed out uh, then that, that it was I was incompatible. Same with the ad agency. You know, it wasn't I did get kicked out or it did get shut down because I said gay, a trans or just mentally ill gays. But there would have been another controversy a month later. Yeah. Same with Anthony Cumia. You know, he keep they say, oh, if he hadn't had that fight in Times Square, he'd still be on Opie and Anthony. No, no, he would have been fired again.
yeah. a month later. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it would be something. I mean, it would because you go in like you know, Gilbert Gottfried died just the other day, and a guy like him who tells jokes deliberately to be offensive. I mean, his joke, the aristocrat, the aristocrats. The whole point of that joke, for those who haven't seen it, is everyone. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to ruin the joke for people who haven't heard it, but you can watch it on YouTube. The whole point is, how dirty can you be? How offensive can you be? That's who, whoever wins that pr a prize wins the joke contest. That can't happen now. Like that no. just like every comedian I know of says they don't like doing campus tours anymore because what's the point? Um, there's so many rules to be boycotted. You know, it's it's feminist. It's woke ideology. All the things that are naturally jokey are banned. That's why the Proud Boys as a safe place for regular guys just to have a beer and laugh at jokes without having someone nag them was such a winner. Yeah, but uh, a lot is happening right now. I I think that uh, first of all, you have networks like Censor.tv, Compound Media, all of these uh, pirate ships, Adam Carolla calls them, where you design your own tank and people pay to see your content and you thrive that way outside of the mainstream. But there's also big cultural changes. Like I argue that the bouncy castles and the dancing grannies shifted the American ethos and or the North American, the Western ethos, where people went, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on now? And the jury. Were you talking about the truckers? The truckers in Ottawa drastically changed the course of Western history. Because we were told they're Nazis, we're told they're evil, and people have been falling for that. They fell for that with the Proud Boys. They fell for that with January 6th. Then they tuned in and they saw bouncy castles. Right. And they went, wait a minute. Those don't look like Nazis to me. Those look like working class people who have had enough. Then they start going backwards. It becomes an, a self-audit where you go, wait a minute. Well, then what was January 6th? Well, wait, what was the Proud Boys? And at the same time, we're told that black people are victims and they're constantly under siege from the police. And some black dude kills a bunch of dancing grannies. You couldn't get more innocent than dancing grannies. Now we've got the subway shooting by another black racist. This is not a random unhinged person. These people are hinged racist terrorists. And I think America's saying, all right, uh, You've been lying to me. I'm not doing this anymore. So we've got these independent uh, websites and networks flanking TV. You know, I get way more viewers than CNN Plus. Uh, I, we, we cost twice as much and we have twice the membership that CNN Plus has. Um, then you have all of these lies have finally reached a tipping point where the Western world is saying you're full of crap. I don't believe you anymore. You know, I... We have hundreds, literally hundreds of Gavin McInnes videos on uh, our YouTube channel. By the way, we took one of them down. We wanted to re-upload it, and YouTube would not let us do that. In fact, they've gone back historically and uh, made some of them inaccessible or harder to access. There might even be one or two that they've deleted. So... I don't know if that is a YouTube corporate decision or if it's an FBI decision. Um, and a lot of these are just your your comedy sketches. Um, I think it's really creepy when something that was fine for five years is suddenly then deleted as if it never happened. That feels very Stalinist to me, like when they would Photoshop people out of a out of a you know photograph of officials. Yeah, buy books. 
Yeah. Buy not purchase. digital books. Digital books they can delete the book right. uh, no. on your buy on your physical paper books. I have a book called When Harry Became Sally, and it's sort of a Christian perspective on all this gender madness. It is unavailable. It's easier to find Mein Kampf than it is to find When Harry Became Sally. If you look at Amazon, you'll see a bunch of books refuting it, but it has been deleted from the world. And yeah, they they do that to me. They rewrite history. There's a a, a Montreal um, comic museum that saves comics. I used to be a cartoonist. And they're getting rid of all my old comic books because 20 years later, uh, I became uh, what they describe as uh, human rat shit. <laughs> you know, you did a series of uh, videos for Vans, the, the shoe company, yes. that I, I swear, when I say you were Jordan Peterson before he was, you really were. It was advice to, to men on how to be men, advice to men who may, maybe didn't have a dad. Advice to men who maybe didn't have an older brother, and that's what I, what I regarded Proud Boys as. You you saw that if you're a woman, there are tremendous amount of things dedicated to your success in life, in school, in careers, in affirmative action, bank loans, uh, set asides, political parties like to have quotas or tokens. But if you're just a guy, um, you're demonized. You're called toxic, and Yet you're relied on for the heavy things when times are tough. 9-11 was a day of the man. You know, the firemen and the police, the first responders rushing in. You you saw that. You saw that before others did. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think that was a cultural canceling of that. They're trying to cancel men. I think the transgender movement, in a way, is canceling women who are at least feminine. I don't know. I think we're in strange times. You sound optimistic about it. Back to the Vans thing. Those were wonderful works of art. I, I think you told me how much they paid you once for that. They just deleted it all, didn't it? Didn't they? They just, they, they just would delete those rather than have any association with you even after the fact. They were 20 grand and they cost 15 to make. So it was 5K net, but they were labors of love. I'm trying to get them from my old business partners at the ad agency, but yeah, totally deleted. You know what's funny about those? I was talking to one of the guys at Vans recently, and if someone responds to me, it means they're red-pilled, right? They'll just delete my message otherwise. And uh, I, I said, you still work in there? I'd love to get those sketches back. And he goes, oh no, I work at whatever he works at now. And uh, I said, so you sound kind of red-pilled. And he goes, yeah, it's because of you guys. And uh, I said, I never talked politics with you. And he goes, no, when your film crew came down to California and shot those sketches, uh, I had never worked with a film crew that was like black, gay, Jewish, female. Like it was like a, a United Nations crew. And then I was told we had to delete them because you're a Nazi. And I thought every single person who's saying that is white. Every film crew and client we've ever had is 100% white out here in California. And the one multiracial crew that shows up, I'm told, is run by a Nazi. And that's when I started to look into stuff. And that's when I became red-pilled and I I, I couldn't work there anymore. Hmm. (laughs) But, yeah, the real crime here is being charming and liking Trump. That's unacceptable. Well, it's hard to be funny. I mean, it's it's easy to be mad. Uh, you can be sad. You can be happy. But being funny, you can't fake it. You can't force it. You have it or you don't. It requires um, a certain mindset. I think it's tough to be funny. And yeah. for whatever reason, I don't think 
I don't know why conservatives are not in the comedy business. They're just you can count conservative comedians on one hand's fingers. Would you agree with me on that? Oh, definitely. But Daily Wire is making some good headway with this uh, Adam Carolla special that's got Rob Riggle and that dude who was canceled that was in the Emoji movie. What the hell's his name, Ryan? I forget his name. Uh, and T.J. Miller is in it. That's who I was thinking of. And, you know, pretty high quality comedians that are uh, appearing with Adam Carolla that Daily Wire is pushing. So it's it's making a, a turn because the beauty of this cancel thing is they overdid it. And I don't think you'll you'll find one person in America who doesn't have a close relative or a friend who was canceled. And of course, 100 percent of the time or maybe ninety nine point nine, they're totally innocent. So back in the when this all started, they just go, well, you shouldn't have messed with that. I don't know what you did, but you pissed off the wrong people. So screw you. And then now they're calling me back going, hey, man, the same thing happened to me. Yeah. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, 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 look who's coming home to roost. Look yeah. who wants some of the bread after I sat here alone baking it. But I give them some. Fine. You know, comedy is probably the most political of the arts. Music is probably a close second. Again, I mean, there are some genres like country music, I think, that are naturally a little bit more conservative. But again, just just very liberal, very left wing. And and, and they'll turn you left wing, especially on sexual things. They'll make you uh, gender fluid or I mean, you look at the transformation of, um, you know, whether it's Miley Cyrus or, um, you know, they just they, there's it's unidirectional. You yeah. only move left. You, you either stay where you are, or you move left. No one moves to the right in Hollywood, in music, sports. There were conservative places in sports. Then the take a knee movement went right to the heart of the NFL, perhaps the most masculine conservative sport. NASCAR, same thing. There was a little garage pole that was turned into a noose. Yes. I think they're either trying to transform every single place into a left-wing woke place, or if it won't transform, they'll just destroy it. And the fact that viewership of sports uh, is down because of wokeness, well, they don't care. Either make it left-wing or destroy it, as long as it's not a conservative place. Yeah, men cannot congregate. And, you know, if if you... that This is why Proud Boys took off, because there is a need for men to congregate and for men to be proud of themselves, because they should be. You know, Western man didn't invent slavery. He ended it. The accomplishments of Western man are alarming. I mean, look around the room and think of who invented all of this stuff and who put it together. And you're looking at Western man's incredible accomplishments. The machine that built my bar stools is an incredible work of art. So, you know, back when our dads were young men, there was endless clubs. Look at the... Flintstones with the water buffaloes and Ed Norton and Ralph Cramden. Uh, you know, you you met every Thursday and you had the buffalo horns and you had the the routine, the the, the jackets with the epaulets and the the bizarre rituals that you would do with the Shriners and the Masons and the Knights of Columbus and and the, the, you'd have individual little ones that no one heard of. And they they go back to the Industrial Revolution because men wanted to get a cheap beer uh, after work and be able to fart without worrying about who heard it. And then in the 80s, the Gloria Steinem feminists said, this is verboten. And as Ann Coulter points out, 
So the men only place men could go to without ladies was strip clubs. Now, there is plenty of women there, but there's no ladies. And in the name of promoting feminism, they drove men to strip clubs. So when I came up with this idea for an old school men's club on a lark, it absolutely exploded because we had been forced by woke feminists to hate ourselves and never congregate. And it's just unnatural. Like you might as well be trying to stamp out heterosexual sex, which they are in many ways, that people are going to find a way behind a dumpster. They're going to get up to their sexual shenanigans because it's just normal. Pride is normal. Shame culture doesn't feel right. And it's strange that the left has put all their eggs in the shame basket and because it's a tough sell. And, and one thing I, I want to point out, too, about the Proud Boys, and this is like, yes, there's the fight that you hear about and John and Max going to prison and this person wore an offensive shirt and this person had a rude tweet. I cannot tell you the hundreds upon hundreds of emails I have from young men telling me, thank you for saying put a ring on it. I was an idiot. I was playing video games all day. I'd been with my girlfriend for eight years. I didn't have the balls to propose. And then they'll send me a picture of their baby. Uh, then I put a ring on it. Now I got a kid. And I also push this on women. I say being a housewife, you don't have to be, but there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a fantastic vocation. And we should one of the Proud Boys tenants is venerate the housewife. So though the media likes to focus on the odd scuffle, the, the truth behind Proud Boys and why I will never regret it and why I would do it again a hundred times if I had a time machine is because I've saved thousands of lives, created hundreds of lives by saying, let's stop being basically what Vice used to promote, just blind hedonists and say, look, you've had your first drink at 14. You're 24 now. That's 10 years of partying. I think your oats are sown. I think it's time to stop getting wasted every day and grow up, get a job, get an apartment, put a ring on it. And that's happened innumerable times. Thank God. You're a skeptic of computer games. Uh, you know, there's some people who are deep into computer games. I know whenever you would do a video for Rebel News, skeptical about them, you'd get a lot of an earful. Oh, yeah. but, but, you know, I saw a, a clip the other day of a World Economic Forum scholar, uh, Yuval Hariri is his name. And he's talking about the end of work and the end of purpose and artificial intelligence taking over everything. And he says, well, what will we have to live for then? And his answer was drugs and video games. And it, oh, it was great. quite something. And I think it's because, you know, they if, if you have no larger purpose, you can at least keep your mind occupied. It's a kind of... Um, I don't know. It's a kind of Valium. It's a kind of uh, distraction machine. What's your beef with video games? It's not real. It's like pornography. Your brain doesn't realize that you're not in Afghanistan saving your buddies. So it releases dopamine because saving your buddy is something worth a reward. And then you get out into the real world and your body goes, what happened to you? You just yesterday. You were shooting bad guys and carrying your friends out of the trenches to safety. And now you're what? On your way to Arby's? You suck. So you get depressed. You've created this fake world. Like with porn, you sit there and you have your choice of an infinite tens. So your brain thinks that you're Genghis Khan and you're inseminating the world. So then you get out, you meet a girl, she's not interested, and your brain goes, what the hell happened to you? Yesterday you were, you were carpet bombing all of Asia with your penis. 
and now you're a nobody. So you create this false world that that makes the real world so crappy that you don't want to live in it. And now it's right out of the matrix. You're living in a pod. Like my youngest boy, he's got his VR on and he's sitting there playing these video games. It's like what you he would be happy in prison. I honestly believe if you had kids today and only gave them iPhones, no sports, no trips, no presents at Christmas besides maybe an extra app or some Robux, they would be perfectly happy and content and never complain. That's a bad thing. Yeah. And what's worse with these video games, they're spending like six hours uh, in a row as a woman. And I honestly think it's the cause of the trans thing. Sitting there as a woman for six hours, these fat, ugly nerds start to go, maybe I am a woman. I mean, I was Donna from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. today. I guess I'm a chick. Well, that's another thing about video games is just the amount of time it burns up. Yeah, um, they always say it's just like movies. It has a story. No, a movie is a brief story. It's one and a half to three hours. And you watch a movie like once every few days. These guys are playing every day for six, 10, 12 hours. You know, um, there's a lot of scary movies that are coming true. Uh, I think of the movie Ex Machina uh, a few years back. You know, um, you've been using the phrase red pill that comes from the movie The Matrix. There's even that movie Wally, which is a, you know, a movie of where everyone is just in mobility scooters, drinking soft drinks. And I, I, I think it the the games, the video games, the virtual reality, the pornography, the online dating, these things are these things are all merging together. Zuckerberg's proposal for the metaverse, where your whole world is in some designed universe. You're not in the real life anymore. You combine video games, uh, choose your own identity, uh, pornography and online dating. And who would ever leave that virtual world for a real world where you're not perfect, you are not meeting perfect women, You the things aren't as controllable where you can fail. I think it's a there's never in history being such a moral hazard as where video games and and you know I don't think sex dolls are are commonplace yet but surely that's got to be the next step on this virtual reality world that Zuckerberg and Yuval Hariri are talking about yes but we have the truth on our side and we have reality on our side. Like people talk about the, you know, this mass censorship and everything. And Gavin, how are you going to survive? And I'd say, well, the good news is that I have truth on my side. So eventually people will come around and go, holy crap, Gavin was right. Similarly, when I push, when I'm trying to sell you on going outside, putting away your phone, meeting a girl, getting in shape, going to the gym, accomplishing things, there's rewards there. So you know, when the government pushes diversity, no one really benefits and they have to spend billions promoting it because mass immigration and, and ethno-masochism uh, don't really have any rewards. What I'm selling has rewards. If you put away your phone and you go meet an actual human girl and you end up smooching her, that smooch feels a hell of a lot better than red tube 
uh, or you porn. And then when they these guys come back to me, they go, holy crap, you were right. That was fun. Or I say, you know, try having a beer at noon after doing nothing. It doesn't taste good. You build a fence in your yard. It's perfectly level and really sturdy. You have that beer after the seven hours it took you to build that fence. It's the most delicious beer you'll ever have in your life. So I keep saying to these guys, proud boys too. I, I say, when we, we say, try it. Like try not watching porn or masturbating for 10 days. You'll catch yourself singing in the shower, skipping down the street. Try putting your phone away all weekend, being bored, going out. And you, the rewards you get from that will be shocking. So this metaverse they're selling, the rewards are synthetic and sad. The, the real world that we're pushing with the truth and being a man, the rewards are, are, are viable. They're cogent. And you, when you experience them, you go, wow, Gavin and Ezra were right. The real world is better than the fake world. Are you worried that they're going to snuff you out? I'm worried here in Canada they're going to snuff us out. I'm worried they're going to delete us. They're going to unperson us. It wouldn't even shock me. I mean, some of our reporters have been jailed. One of our reporters was shot a couple of months ago. Um, we are throttled on the Internet. Look at the truckers. They arrested people uh, on trumped-up political charges. They seized bank accounts without legal process. I am genuinely worried. My worry isn't yet a five alarm fire, but it's a constant, it's like I'm driving and the, the gas tank is, light goes on. You know, I'm, I'm starting to get worried and I think something bad will happen, not immediately, but I feel like we're, we're starting to pass the point of no return. That's how I feel now. Some of that might be because I'm in Canada, uh, a, a center left country without a strong freedom tradition. Um, and <laughs> a terrible media that's being bought off, et cetera, et cetera. Our constitution is not meaningful, I've discovered. Are you worried about being literally deleted? Like you're in you're in your in your I'm not gonna say ghetto, you're in your place. Censor.tv, you have your scope, oh, you have your are you worried about being turned off? I'm literally in a ghetto right now. I'm in the South Bronx. Okay. If I, you have to, you should have a, a gun, illegal or legal, when you leave this studio late at night, because it's a dangerous area. And I, I'm not scared of being canceled. I was canceled. Again, we went through infinite payment processors. I had hackers build my site and I, I have lawyers on, on retainer. I know I'm going to jail at some point. I got my citizenship recently. I got my American citizenship. I had to be incredibly secretive about that because there was a massive movement to have me deported. So my family is ready for a home invasion. My kids are ready for someone coming to the school. I'm totally prepared uh, to end up in prison. I'm totally prepared to be deported. It's all on the cards. I mean, there's I know of like five, five close friends are in prison now and dozens more Proud Boys I know tangentially in prison for simply meandering around the Capitol. And so don't say that, that Canada is a socialist place with no freedom and America's free. We're in the exact same boat. America is exactly as anti-freedom as Canada is. By that, that, that distinction died probably about 10 years ago, definitely five years ago. So I, you say, are you scared of being canceled? No, I'm not scared anymore. Tommy Robinson, our mutual pal, he said, you're going to get to a point where you're not scared anymore. And if someone wants to fight you in the street, we can fight on the street. And it, it takes a long time to get there, but eventually you're not scared. Now, they attack my family. They ostracize my kids. 
and uh, make their lives hell. Uh, my wife was at her breaking point a couple years ago, but uh, she came out the other side. And, and now it's just really two of my kids' social lives that are marred by these evil Karens that want to meddle in a children's life. That's taxing. But as far as like getting canceled, what more can they do? And here's the other thing, too. They say that the Scots like like booze because they like being in adversarial positions where they're handicapped. And I I think the Scots who didn't like war are extinct because 600 years of being attacked by the English, you you start to like confrontation or at least the ones who don't are bred out. And I will never stop fighting. I'll, I'll commit to that right now. Put me in prison, deport me, whatever you have to do, uh, separate me from my family, make my wife divorce me. I will never stop fighting. And that's one of the great things, I guess, about the Internet. You know, say I was didn't get my citizenship and I was deported. I'd still be doing this from Bavaria. I'll still be doing this from prison. I'll still be writing letters from prison, getting the word out. You, you can't break me. And they've tried. Well, now, William's doing tr- this. I mean, uh, are you a, are you a comedian first? Are you a political commentator first who uses comedy, or these days are you more a, a, a media mogul at Censored.tv? If like I, I do not regard myself as a media person first. No, I, I I'm I, I would put myself in your boat. I think we're both, as your wife once said to me, trying to make the world a better place. And I am a Western chauvinist. I know the West is best for everyone. Minorities, the oppressed, liberal Marxists, their safety, their safety under a Archie Bunker patriarchy. And so I want to promote this. I, my big message is more families, black, white, every just more nuclear families stay together. Don't get divorced. Don't watch porn. Now, my general demeanor is lackadaisical and offensive and funny. That's just my personality. But what gets me out of bed in the morning is saving Western man from himself. I mean, this socialist, communist, woke, self-hating ideology is a plague. It's a cancer. And the the fact that it's done so well recently is is alarming. But that's what I will always fight to save. That's why I never punch right, by the way, because we need to win this war. Then I can attack you know, neocons and paleocons and and libertarians. But right now we need all the allies we can get. You've been very generous with your time. I appreciate that. I know you're so busy. I I, I want to ask you just two more questions. Um, I got all day, dude. <laughs> um, for the last two years, uh, not all of it, but for at least a year of the past two years, we were told don't go out stay home, uh, interact with the world through your computer, don't even visit your family, get all your entertainment through some, you know, uh, through Disney Plus or, or whatever, get all your entertainment through the internet, interact with other humans through the internet, don't go out, out get food delivered to yourself, don't go to the gym, uh, don't go out on a date other than a virtual date. What did a year or two of physical lockdowns do to the world? Did it did it accelerate those awful trends you were talking about? Or for every person that did that too, did it wake up others, red pill them to use your phrase? Yeah, it really polarized the entire world. I mean, what, what I think it, it showed us is who is genetically communist? 
because some people just seem to naturally blossom uh, under this regime. They liked the rules that Karen's wanted to tell you to put on a mask that you realize, wow, there's people that would really embrace Stalin if he came back from the dead and took over this country. Uh, that was alarming. And it, I hope it showed us how dangerous communism can be, because it's not as esoteric as we had hoped when we saw people embrace it. They embrace these rules. But I think it 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 woke up a lot of people. And now, you know what's crazy about COVID? The message I think God was sending is, don't be so fat. Yeah. And through the game of telephone, that message was completely lost. Sorry, God. Uh, you should have written it down clearer. But that message did not get to people. What they, what they got out of it was whatever the their political fashion side told them to get out of it, whether it was Trump's fault or Republicans or QAnon or all this stuff. But the end result now today is that our government lies to us and people who were apolitical now are more politically minded, I think. So I think it was ultimately good that we saw the government show their hand. I mean, look at planes today. You still have to wear a mask on a plane. There's a middle aisle seat. The head of Delta says, we have the best air filtration systems in the world. Yeah. If if there was a, a massive outbreak, you'd want to get into a plane Yeah. because that's the cleanest air you're going to see. Yeah. But no, they just love the power. Yeah. And I think, I don't think we realize that we are like China in many ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know last time you were in Canada, but you still cannot get on an airplane at all if you're unvaccinated or a train for that matter. Last question. Wait, uh, can I interrupt you yeah. before? Uh, there was a lot of people fighting here in my neighborhood. Uh, well, not in my rich neighborhood, but the neighborhood I spent time in in the Bronx. Um, you know, my local bar, the guy ripped up all the carpets and he said he's Irish. And he's like, you can still come down, but make sure you bring a tool bag. So we would I never stopped going to bars. And we would just sit there. You'd have a power drill in one hand and a beer in the other. And if the cops came in, you were just taking a break from doing renovations. Uh, it, everyone I know at my boxing gym got fake uh, uh, vax cards and traveled with them and, and did everything. So even at the, the peak of the fascism, there was always this sort of a renegade movement of rebels who were not falling for it. Huh. Give me 60 seconds on Elon Musk. I'm not going to get my hopes up. Uh, we've got the Saudi prince saying he wants more than 53.40 a share. Uh, I don't see me getting uncanceled. Uh, it's once you're canceled, you can't get uncanceled. Like Milo Yiannopoulos, I think he's under the impression that he's going to be a church militant for a while, and then he's going to drift back, and he'll be the next Jimmy Kimmel. That's not on the horizon. You know, if anything, we're going to become more outcast. But what we can do is solidify that and make this our outcast world better than their mainstream world. It's already more popular. But uh, yeah, I, he might reinstate Trump. He might reinstate the Babylon Bee. But don't think that the real rebels are going to be mainstreamed by any eccentric billionaire anytime soon. Yeah. You know, we could talk for two hours, but uh, we'll have to set that up for another day to check in with you. You know, I I uh, I miss those halcyon days. I miss the days where you could tell a joke, even if it had a bit of a rude flair to it, people would laugh or not, and you didn't have this panel of lurking passive censors over you. I think we're I think we're in dark days for freedom, and I think the pandemic made everything worse. 
but it's good to see you flourishing in your own uh, enterprise again, and it's great to catch up with you, and uh, I wish you good luck and success, and I wish you freedom, and I wish all those things for us, too. I feel like we're often in, in a similar place, so thanks for taking the time with us today. Yeah, don't be gloomy, dude. You're changing the world. I'm, I, I blame you for the trucker convoy and uh, helping uh, wake up Canada. And that trucker convoy changed America drastically because we saw that they, everyone lies about the, the blue collars and, and what they really believe. So things are looking up, dude. It's, it's, a, it's a war we're in, but uh, we're well armed and ready to battle. All right. Well, that's a good note to leave it on. Gavin McInnes of Censored TV, great to catch up with you. Cheers, Ezra. Cheers. Stay with us. Some final thoughts next. Well, what did you think of that chat with Gavin McInnes? Was it too inside baseball, too inside the Proud Boys? I mean, I've known Gavin for about a decade now. I think he's actually the funniest human being I've ever met. I think I've told you, when I went with him to Israel, I hadn't laughed that much and that hard since I was a child. Like, just laugh. And he's silly and he's funny, but he's also very unsilly sometimes. He's he's brutally sober and rough sometimes. He's, in, he's one in a billion and he's in trouble for it. And he's, I think his stubbornness is why he's successful. And like with so many of us, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, we all have our interesting qualities, and he is a very interesting guy. It's absurd to say his Proud Boys are a terrorist group, but that's the line, Canada, believe it or not. It's absurd to say he's a threat, though he does talk about fisticuffs, maybe a touch too much for my taste. But I wanted to check in with him, and he's optimistic. He ended more positive than me. He thinks that people have had their eyes open. He calls that being red-pilled from the movie The Matrix. I don't know. I like keeping in touch with him. Uh, I miss his comedic creativity, but to be honest, I don't mean—I don't miss the stress of having him around. He was a handful. I like him, and uh, I'm glad to see he's doing well. That's our special show for today. I'll see you on Monday. Have a happy Easter, happy Passover, and until next time, keep fighting for freedom.